for today. May we again focus our attention on the precious closing words of this book of James. Words that tell us that when we find ourselves experiencing difficulties with our health, there might be something more that we should do instead of our usual quick call to the doctor. These words in James 5, beginning in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three and a half years, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. As we mentioned in the message last week, here in these words, we encounter some instructions from God that aren't commonly taught or preached, especially within a typical Presbyterian church. It's not because these words are any less valid than any other of the words of truth, any less truthful, any less appropriate for us. It's rather that our doctrines lead us to focus on these matters differently from that which seen in other churches. Now, here first, we see instructions about healing. And yes, we do believe strongly in the power of faith and in prayer for the healing and the betterment of our loved ones. However, we as a church do shy away from such activities as those that involve regular church services that are dedicated solely to the purpose of performing healing ceremonies. Now, why is that so? It's because of one of those doctrinal divides that developed somewhere back in the history of the Presbyterian Church. That doctrinal divide is called by some cessation, cessation. And it involves spiritual gifts such as healing. Cessation is the belief that certain of the spiritual gifts were given only for those beginning days of the church, intended as signs and wonders to draw people to Christ. You'll recall that in some of our earlier messages, we spoke on those passages there in 1 Corinthians and in Romans and in Ephesians, where God told us that when His Holy Spirit comes to live within us as believers, He brings with Him special spiritual gifts, holy means by which He would develop and carry forward the daily workings of the body of Christ in His church. And each of you has at least one spiritual gift. And you and I ought to know what our gifts are so that we can exercise those within the church body. Among those special gifts were abilities to do things that we would not otherwise be able to do. Preaching, teaching, giving, administration, speaking in tongues, and other gifts. And among those spiritual gifts was also this matter that's before us today in our scriptures, that of healing. It's a spiritual gift. As I mentioned a moment ago, there are 
some church leaders, especially within our Presbyterian denomination, that strongly believe that some of those spiritual gifts have ceased to be given by the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit does not give those gifts to men and women today, that those gifts, as I said a moment ago, were given only for those beginning days of the church intended to draw people into believing in Christ. Among those gifts that they believe God has ceased to give are the gifts of speaking in tongues and miracles, apostleship, and again, this gift that we're speaking about today, the gift of healing. Some of our friends within the Pentecostal and Charismatic churches, they differ strongly with our beliefs that such gifts have ceased. Believing that those gifts do continue today and that those gifts should even occupy a prominent place within our weekly worship services. Now, with that being said, may I recognize for us that most all of our churches and church denominations are not completely polarized with these doctrines. In other words, just as all Baptists do not hold exclusively to the doctrines within their traditional Baptist church, and the same is true with Methodists, the same is true with us Presbyterians, and on and on. As a result, we each who are sitting here today probably have varied understandings as to what these scriptures intend regarding these matters. And in particular, the ones that I've just spoken about, faith healing, faith healing, speaking in tongues, and the like. Concerning these gifts, may I say that I am not what some call a secessionist. I do not find anywhere in these scriptures where God declares that the Holy Spirit has ceased to use these gifts in us, to give them to us and to use them in us. Therefore, I believe that all the gifts that are described in 1 Corinthians and Romans and in Ephesians and other places in the scriptures, I believe that they do continue to this day. Now, with that being said, I do acknowledge that some of those spiritual gifts don't seem to be used by God in our present age. And because of that, we don't see evidence of their application. However, God may choose at any time in the future to give those gifts and to use those gifts within individuals because Scripture is very clear. Any of these gifts and all of these gifts are specifically given to specific individuals by the Holy Spirit. Not all of us have the same gift. He's very particular to whom he gives these gifts. One gift in particular is not being used during our current church age, and I need to mention this, is this gift of apostleship, because it is so misused in today's church setting. The gift of apostleship has with it this receiving and giving out new revelation from God, new revelation from God, from these scriptures, and especially Revelation 22, we know that we are not to attempt to add to or to take away from the scriptures that are already given. Whether it involves new revelation or if it involves healing or any of the other scriptures. Listen to these words of warning in Revelation chapter 22, verse 18. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life 
and in the holy city, which are described in this book. We're not to add to anything this Bible says, and we're not to take away anything the Bible says. We need to be careful of that, because we can do that easily. Just by using the expression that we hear so many of our brethren use, well, I believe, when you hear someone say that, you need to immediately become very careful. Because, yes, it's important what we believe, but it's only true if it's in the Scriptures. And just because I believe something, or I want to believe something, does not make it true, and I should not, I must not, add it to these Scriptures. So, if anyone comes to you, and they use these words, which is a very popular expression these days, I have a word for you from God. Be ever so careful from that moment forward. I caution you to stay away from those folks because they are most often false preachers and teachers. If that word is not contained in the pages of this book, then you need to stay away from it. Now, if they come to you and they say, I have a word for you, and they quote one of these verses, that's fine. But if they don't, Scripture's already been given. God's not going to give them any new Scriptures. Most often those new words are not from God, but probably from the devil. And so I say be careful. As for some of these other gifts of the Spirit, especially this spiritual gift of healing that some of our church groups practice, I confess to you that I don't always agree with the manner in which those gifts are practiced, especially the theatrics with which this gift of healing is so often presented by some of the church leaders, such as Benny Hinn. No such behavior, no such theatrics are seen within these scriptures as are seen by some of those faith healers. So be careful of them. But I do believe the simplicity of these words here in this book of James are real. And they are appropriate. There are appropriate times and circumstances when gifts such as healing may be effectual. Let me read these words again. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the Prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Why do I believe this? Why should you believe this? It's because it says so right here in the Scriptures. Do I do this each time that I get a headache? Did I do this when I needed my knee replaced some few years ago? No, I don't, and I didn't. For some reason, I chose instead to call the doctor. But folks, I did do this very thing a few years ago when I was experiencing a problem with ruptured vertebra in my neck. The surgeon wanted to operate. I was actually at his office and they were going to schedule the surgery. But for some reason, the Lord led me to do this very thing. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. The elders of the church prayed over me. They anointed my head with oil, and the result was and is. I haven't had a problem in my neck since that day. I praise the Lord for that. Did he take away the ruptured vertebrae? I don't know. But I do know I don't have a problem with my neck. And I pondered that event numerous times even asking myself why do i not do that very same thing with every illness i have not been able to know why 
But I'm convinced that there certainly is a time and a place for this kind of response to our illness. And yes, the elders and I did this very same thing with one of the members of our church sometime later. A dear lady was suffering with cancer and she wasn't able to come to church. She requested that we come to her house and pray over her, and we did that. We did as these words told us to do. If any, is anyone among you sick? Let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick, and the Lord will raise him up. That's more than 10 years now. And I have not kept contact with her in these very recent years, but it's my understanding that uh, she still is doing okay. Is she able to do all the things that she did before she got cancer? I don't know, but I do know to my best understanding she's doing fairly well. Now, is this kind of handling of illnesses effective every time? No, it isn't. And I don't know the whys of all of it. Perhaps it has everything to do with this kind of faith that's spoken about here. But again, I don't know. But I do know that it was effective for me personally. And so I personally believe it. So then, if that be so, there's another question. What is the role that doctors are supposed to play within circumstances of ill health? Well, our Bible scholars have developed some answers that are acceptable to me. They have suggested that because all such matters are dependent upon God's grace, then there are apparently at least two forms of grace that God showers upon each of us. There is common grace and there is special grace. Common grace being that form of grace by which God just blesses all of mankind, believers and unbelievers alike. And he describes that blessing in the verse that says, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And then there is special grace being that form of grace that comes directly from God's own hand, most often given to his blessed children, in this case, healing. In other words, for common grace to take place, just as the rain falls on the just and the unjust, providing blessing to all, God doesn't require that a person be a Christian believer for a doctor to treat him and to heal him or her. It's common grace. And there are many other forms of common grace that bless you and me and provide for our needs, whether we believe in Christ or not. The legal system that protects us is a common grace. The banking system that provides financial help for us. Our government and its services. And there are just untold shows of common grace that God provides for both the just and the unjust. I'm thankful for both of these provisions of grace, for common grace and for special grace. I do firmly believe that they are both from God for the betterment of all of his people. Now, a question for each of us. Which of these forms of grace should you and I regularly depend upon? God's special grace or God's common grace? Folks, I don't know the answer to that question for me or for you. But God gives us the beginning answer to that question in this passage that we're studying today. Our responses must begin with our having an intimate relationship with the person of Christ. And then also by our exercising faith in him. Listen to these words again. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. 
Notice in those words, it's not a quick panic type of prayer. It's an ongoing relationship. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Scripture tells us to be constant in prayer. It says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Psalms are praises to God, recognizing that God is the one that makes provisions for us. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. That's an intimate relationship when you ask God to forgive your sins. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now as for grace itself, whether it be common grace or it be special grace, all of it is excellent and is wonderful beyond measure. And all of it is free and unmerited and is a gift from God, whether it be common grace or special grace. I do especially love, though, the thought of God administering special grace to my wearied body and soul. No one else knows how you feel, how I feel, whether that suffering be physical, but especially when it is emotional, we're concerned about our family members, our loved ones. And so I especially love the special grace as God ministers to me. Special grace is so fatherly. It is so fatherly and so loving. And I praise him for his loving kindness to me. Now, here also in verse 17, God gives us a special message regarding our side of this relationship equation that we have with him. And again, these words give emphasis to God's blessed grace. Listen to these words using the prophet Elijah as an example for us to follow. Verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. It's not easy for you and me to remember but folks, with the exception of the Lord Jesus, all the men and women that are written about in the Bible were just men and women like you and me. And that's what he's saying here. Whether they be prophets or they be just common folk, they were flesh and blood, just like you and me, sinners saved by grace through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. But because of a special plan of God and because of a special gift of faith that God imputed into their souls. And because those people were loyal to that faith, God did wonderful and miraculous things through them and through their efforts. And so it was with the prophet Elijah. He was just a man. Scripture tells us that. He was just a man like you and me, a common man. But yet because of his relationship with God, because of his faith, he was able to accomplish things that he would not otherwise have been able to do. And God said, that same thing is so with you and me. That if we have an intimate relationship with Christ, through that intimate relationship with Christ and through the exercise of faith in him, you and I will be able to do things that we would not otherwise be able to do. Very special things, even miraculous things. Do you believe that? Scripture is saying it's true. So you and I should believe that. Listen again 
Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. Isn't it a wonderful promise that's being made to us here in these somewhat obscure words? And he's giving us this example specifically to do with our relationship with Christ in times of crisis. We might just be common folks otherwise, but God might just decide to call on us to do something that's beyond our imagination, certainly beyond our own abilities. And he says, I will give you all that you need for that. And I'd love for him to do that through me. Wouldn't you? He will. One last consideration before we close for today. These words beginning in verse 19. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. While these words that I just read are effective for all matters of sin, may I make application of them to this subject that we're discussing in this message and in the message last week, especially in the message last week about sin and sickness being linked together. That yes, too often, the habits and the behaviors we involve ourselves in can then bring about sickness and disease. And with those sicknesses and diseases, we can find ourselves in need of going to the elders of the church and asking them to pray over us, and not only for the healing of our physical bodies, but also and especially for the healing of our souls. Listen again to these precious words, and with them we'll close for today. Verse 13, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. May we pray.